It is Mother's Day. And last year, and, you know, we're young and we're experimenting with things. Last year we gave little cups with candy in it to all the mothers that came. Um, this year we decided that rather than doing that, we'd like to do something that makes a difference in someone else's life. And so what we're doing is donating $500 in the name of the Mothers of the Way Faith Community to the uh, Women's Battered Shelter Family Violence Center. So that donation will happen this week. If you'd like to add to that $500, just uh, put something in an envelope and put it in our tithe box. So we'd be happy to add that to them. As it is a worthy cause. Um, kids are going back right now to... Uh, kids way uh, they'll have a lesson taught on their level and and uh, sing some songs and have uh, I think they have a good time I've never been in there so I, I hope they're having a good time but uh, anyway so uh, the next thing is book studies this summer we are going to 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 come back to a Sunday evening book study where we'll all eat lunch, all eat dinner together and we'll hang out and talk um, there's two books on the back tables one is called Counterfeit God, and one is called Total Church. Total Church. Um, we'll, do, we'll do both of those this summer. The first one we'll do is uh, Counterfeit God by Tim Keller. His first book we did uh, really brought to light that God's grace was for everyone. That there's no one who doesn't need God's grace, uh, which is obvious, I think. Uh, but this one will challenge us to... Consider the things in our life that we have established as gods that maybe we don't recognize. And so there's just some prominent things that people live for and build their life around. So that would be the first one. And it will start next Sunday evening. Uh, there's books back there. Um, you, you can buy those books. We will order more. I have not found them cheaper than I can sell them to you. You're welcome to go buy your own. But I can sell them to you for $12 a piece. Uh, that's just under what we pay for it. Um, so if you want to get a book, you can buy what's there today or let me know and I will get the rest ordered and we'll start into that next week. We'll get together and start talking about it. So um, then uh, next week, I'm, I wish everyone was here because I don't know that everyone has heard this yet. We are officially an Acts 29 church now. We've been accepted into the network. Uh, and, and because of that, we're going to formalize a, a relationship with LifePoint Church in Ozark next week. I will not be here. Uh, well, not just me, but Amy and the boys will be with me as well. We're going to be introduced in front of that church um, as as a uh, someone they're supporting. Um, so it's a big step for us. Good stuff for us. Uh, th this will be the first real formal partnership we've made with anyone. So we're looking forward to that. Next week, you guys see Kyle Kirby sitting up here. Some of you know him from days before. He and I have been talking, oh, probably for about two or three weeks, I think, about doing some open-air services, and we're trying to find a place where we would do, go out and just preach a gospel message out loud, bring a band, play some music, and uh, preach. And so we've been talking about that for about three or four weeks, and as this opportunity arose, I thought, you know, I just want to have him in and, and, and let him preach and so that you guys can get a chance to know who he is um, and see him uh, in, in, in his heart, he's a he's a missional guy. He is doing Bible studies every week out in the public. I mean, he is uh, his desire is to see lives change for Christ, and so uh, I'm excited about him being able to be here and preach. So you guys bring your friends and let them hear what he's got to say. Uh, I'd ask you just to support him as you supported me. Um, be listening for those things coming up. Um, we've still got the Q and A session, and we'll be, the first one will start 
this coming, no, the last Tuesday of this month is the 25th. We've reserved Panera Bread Company. Um, already got a page on the website about it. We've got uh, some uh, graphics and handouts or, or flyers being printed up. We'll do a mass mailing. I'll try and get some radio spots so that we can get this advertised. But people, you know that you, we all have questions. It's the reality of this life we live in. We all have questions, and we look for answers. We know that there's only one place that provides truth. That's the Bible. So I would encourage you, if you've got friends that you're talking to that have questions about life, encourage them to come that night. If they don't want to ask the question out loud in front of people, they can go to our website. Um, they can put the question in there on the page for that. It'll, it'll email to me. We'll be able to start talking about it and researching it so that we can provide the best answer possible. So, anyway, that's coming up. And then, uh, obviously, you need to be thinking about and praying about Brent and the band um, is going to be looking towards doing... Uh, Friday night art walks and, and setting up and playing. We'll hang out. We'll talk. We'll have a good time. And we'll let people see Christians living life together, building community. So um, last night we did have a great night at our house. I would encourage every one of you, I would encourage every one of you at some point to open your house up and have people over and do something as simple as play a silly game. I mean, really. It was a silly game. But we had a blast. I mean, my stomach's still sore this morning because we laughed so stinking hard. You guys, we, we've got it on our little, our first attempt at bulletins. I hope everybody gets one. Um, we'll have to come up with something cooler than bulletins than to call them. But um, our first attempt at that, every Saturday night, we'll open our house up. If you want to come, we would just ask that you let us know you're coming so that we can have food for everybody because uh, we don't want to eat and you watch us eat. So... That's what we'll do, obviously, is we're going to eat and make you watch us if you don't let us know you're coming. So let us know you're coming so that we can be prepared for you. But uh, beyond that, um, I think uh, we just need to pray. We get started. We've got a, a, a large passage to get through today. If you've heard me preach, sometimes uh, that takes me a little while. But uh, I'll do the best I can. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be very practical and relevant for life. So I just pray, just ask that you hang with me and let's deal with it. So let's pray and then we'll go to the go to the Word. Father, I thank you so much for your for your scriptures. I thank you so much that uh, that you chose to reveal yourself in this way that's recorded for us, so that we can look back into history and see how you're working and th see the things that you've done, so that we know that that we can trust in them, so that we know that we can follow you, so that we can know that you are working in us and, and desire to work through us. I thank you for your scriptures that we might know how to live a life that, that brings honor and glory to you. Father, we know that there's nothing we have to offer of ourselves, but we, we trust that through your word as we, as we learn and we grow and we're shaped and we're changed by your work, by your power, that, that, it, that it brings something that shines in front of a world that's dark, that, that brings light to a place that needs it. Father, I thank You that as we learn today that through Your Spirit that You're going to work. You're going to change us. You're going to challenge us. You're going to, you're going to call us to believe. That you're, going to, that you're going to bring us to this place where we recognize that of ourselves we have nothing. But that in You and through Your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can know eternal life. And that we can find 
purpose that moves us. Not purpose that surrounds us or, or, or is about us. It always brings us back. Always brings us back to worship. Adoring You. Loving You. Giving ourselves back to You. Because of what You've done. But mainly because of who You are. You are worthy. And we thank You for showing us Your truth and Your Word. Pray that You'll just be with us today. Be with our hearts, our ears, our minds. And keep us focused on where we need to be. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, it's a, I think it's a really relevant, practical passage. Um, as, I've, as I've grown up in, in this, and uh, I've, you know, I've done different types of ministries all along, and one of the things I've always noticed is that when people, when people look at the methods that other people use, if they are not the same as their own, oftentimes they think less of them. And one of the things I've noticed is, as I've grown up in this, in, in being a pastor and, and beginning, to, beginning to see things and see how people act is that it's no different for preachers. In fact, I, I, I recognize now, especially as I, I'm involved with this group who are theologically sound, they are solid in their theology. They are, they are uh, they're grounded, and I'm, I appreciate that. But as they deal with people who maybe they don't think are as grounded as they are, they'll look at them and they'll test their they'll test their methodologies and their and their ways of doing things, and they'll think less of them. And and one of those things is in in, in preaching. There's many people like I who who will like I do, who will preach through a book of the Bible verse by verse and deal with everything that's in there. And they think that that exegetical, uh, expository preaching, that's the only way to go. And so then they'll look at other people who, who preach maybe from, from, a, from a different perspective and they preach less about maybe what, what is on the page, what just that's the next verse, that's what I'm preaching on. They'll, they'll deal with issues and felt needs that people have. And they'll look at that and they'll think less of it. And, and I think that we have to be careful there because... What I think that needs to happen is we need to find a balance. We need to find this place where our needs are met, not simply just because we need needs met, but because that's what we're going to see happening today in our passage. Jesus sets this example for us that, that He is teaching truth. He is bringing truth. But the very reason He's going to do it is because He cares so deeply for the people He's bringing it to. And he, and he wants to pastor them. And he, and he sees a need and he reaches out to meet it. And that's what I think we need to find, that, that place where we can bring truth into something very practical and, and something very relevant and something very, very straightforward, never sacrificing the message of truth. And so as, as we've gone through the book of John, I hope that that's what I've been able to do with you. I hope that I'm not just giving up, giving up here and giving you a Bible lecture. I hope that you're able to go home every week with this idea and this, this knowledge of truth that, that means something to your life. Because that's what I was challenged with this week as I really studied and focused on what I would preach on. Because as I saw Jesus bringing that truth and the compassion and the, the care He had for His people. I thought, well, that's the example. You know, that's really the challenge that we've been facing as a church for the last few weeks as we've dealt with this idea and this call that He gave to serve one another as He served. 
and to love one another as he loved. That's the challenge that we've been really being pushed towards is seeing his life as an example and following it. And so today, as, as, as we face this passage and we get into it, I want you to hear these words coming from the heart of, of, of a Lord, of a Christ, of a God who loves you, who cares about you, and who wants to see this need met in you. I don't want you to hear a, a, a preacher who's excited about it and just the enthusiasm. I want you to hear the God who created you showing you how much He loves you. We're going to be in John chapter 14. We'll, we'll read verses 1 through 14. We'll stop along the way. If you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and turn there. While you're, while you're getting there, let me just give you some context. Jesus has pulled out of public ministry. He is now dealing specifically. This is the last supper. He's dealing specifically with these disciples that He's got. He has been teaching them and has been, has been revealing things to them that they couldn't have expected or, or wouldn't have known. He's, he's, he's sitting with them, and in hours, just mere hours, He is going to be crucified on a cross. And as He's sitting there, He is giving them everything that they need to know to carry on because He knows what's coming. He knows what's happening. And as He does it, this is the idea. This is the, this is the mode with which He's coming from or the, 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 the perspective with which He's coming from. And it says this in John chapter 13, verse 33. He says, little children, listen to that. Do you hear that? Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You see, He's not coming as this dominating dictator who is, who is pounding into them. He is not coming to, to them as someone who is cold and crass or unconcerned. He is not coming to them as, as some, some disconnected, un, uncompassionate uh, uh, person who, who, who just wants his own way. He's coming to them, seeing them from the eyes of a father. Little children. And as we read these verses, that's what you need to hear. That's the loving voice that you need to hear from him. He begins to tell them and speak to them about what's going on. And as He does, He sees in them a struggle. And He comes to this in John 14, verse 1. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You see, if we took out the numbers and took out all of the things that we use as tools to, tools to find verses, we would see that these passages back right up next to what we've just been dealing with in John chapter 13. We would see that, that this is a, that just one more further extension of this conversation that he's already having. And so as we hear those words, let not your hearts be troubled. He's speaking to them because of what he sees in them based on what he's just dealt with them on. See, think about again what we've dealt with. As I said, we've seen Jesus wash feet and then say, hey, you're to serve in this way. The Master he humbled himself to wash feet. You're to serve in this way. And then he comes and he says, now I'm going to give you this command that sounds similar to what you've known before, but I'm giving, it's going to have a new, a new object and it's going to have a new method. And he says, you're going to love one another. You're going to love one another. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to the church. You're going to love one another as I have loved you. He's taught them these new truths and, and they're seeing this and, and this is a lot to take in. 
This is a lot for them to deal with. But as He taught them those truths, that's not the only thing He showed them. You see, He also revealed to them that Judas, well, He, didn't, he, he, he showed them Judas was a betrayer. They didn't quite get it. He revealed to them that one of their own, one of the ones that had been walking with them, serving with them, telling, telling people about Jesus with them, one of their own was a betrayer. And then He tells them right out in front of everyone that Peter, the rock, that he's going to be a denier. And you know what else He told them that I know just shook their world? I'm not going to be with you much longer. Wait a minute. I've been following you. I left my job for you. My family. See, these were ordinary guys who worked ordinary jobs. It's not like they were, they were hanging around just looking for something to do when Jesus showed up. It wasn't like that their life didn't have something going on in it already and, and He just found them sitting on a stump just waiting for somebody to show up. They were living their life. He comes to them and He says, Come and follow Me. And they followed Him. And they saw Him do amazing things. And they think, this is the guy, this is the one we've been waiting for. He's going to bring Israel back to its place of prominence. He's going to do this work. He's going to make things happen. And he's leaving. Think of it. We can't trust even our own. And the one guy who we can, you're leaving. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. You see, as He, as he says those words, I, I, I can imagine, I can just imagine as they sit there and they hear these words, how am I not supposed to be troubled? Believe in God. And, and, and there's a perspective given here that, that we don't quite get. It's, it's, it's an imperative. It's a command. But, but many people look at that as saying, as you believe in God. You see, yeah, these were ordinary dudes. They were ordinary guys that just walked through life. That They were fishermen and tax collectors. Just ordinary guys. It wasn't like they were educated in the, in the Jewish seminaries. and It wasn't like that they were high in the temple when Jesus found them and, oh, there's some religious guys. I'm going to get them to follow me. No, they were ordinary people walking ordinary lives. And, and He calls them to follow Him. And, and, and just because they were ordinary doesn't mean that they didn't already believe in God. They were, they were Jews. They believed in God. They knew the stories. They knew what God had been doing. They knew all that God had done to enter into covenant with them all the way up to this point where now they believe that God has sent Jesus as the Messiah. And He says, you know what? As you believe in God, as you have believed in Him, and as, 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 as you have trusted in Him, now trust in Me. Trust in Him. You see, the, the, the word that's translated there as, as believe, and that I'm talking about trust, it's the same word that you would read as faith anywhere else in the New Testament. The idea of, of this trust, he, He's not just saying, hey, 
keep thinking I'm a good guy. He's not saying keep, keep just acting like nothing's wrong. He's saying trust in me. During the Protestant Reformation, the, the Reformers dealt with this and, and they gave us a, an explan, explanation about what faith was, about what it should look like and what it should re- result in. And faith is, is, is having a knowledge of something and believing it's true. And trusting it so deeply that you walk on it, that you lean into it, that you trust it, the same way you're trusting those chairs not to dump you out on the floor in the next second. You see, I believe those chairs will hold me, but I trust those chairs will hold me as I sit. And I lean my weight into them, and I rest in them. You see, that's what He's calling them to. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, as you have believed in God, believe also in me. You see, this idea of faith is he's calling them to such a deep trust that, that it's more than just simply having this idea and feeling good about it. It's, it's something that's deep seated, that's willing to follow him, even as he's telling them that things might seemingly fall apart. See, he knows. He knows how desperate this situation is. He knows what he's going to be facing in just a mere hours. He knows that, that soon he's going to be hanging on a cross and his, his disciples, the ones who have been following him, they are not going to know what hit them and they are going to be scattering. He knows that as they look at the circumstances of their life in that moment that they are going to be troubled. You think it's bad now? You think hearing this guy that you've trusted in so deeply is, is, is he's going away? You think it's bad now? Imagine what it's going to be in a few hours when He's being nailed to that cross and hung for all the world to look at Him and mock Him and Him to die. Imagine the experience they had in that moment. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in Me, He's saying. Trust in Me. You know, obviously, He's setting Himself up on this level that's with God. But He wants them to know. He wants them to know that that even as they look at the circumstances that are surrounding them, that they can continue to trust Him. He he wants them to know that, hey, I got this. I've got it. You can trust me. It's not going to be out of my control. It's not surprising me. You need to know these things so that as they happen, you will realize that I'm not surprised. It's all part of my plan. You see, God has been working this process all along. And, and, and you know, we can even see this as, as we look back in Scripture. There are sometimes in the process of God's restoration and redemption of His people and this world, we can see that there's times that it just seems like, man, is He going to be able to get it together? Is he, I mean, if, if all of our studies only ever circulated on the Jews and how... how rebellious they were and how disobedient they were, how in the world is He going to use these people? You know, if that's all our studies resulted in and all it ever focused on, we would wonder how powerful God really was. We would wonder if He could really work His will. But you see, there's times in Scripture where we get a snapshot and big movements that the Gospel, the good news of God's work of redemption and restoration, we see that it moves in a powerful and amazing way. You see, here's what we can learn from that. that As we look at the circumstances around us, 
Sometimes they may not look like we're winning. Sometimes the circumstances we live in, sometimes the things that we deal with, they are difficult. That's life. That's normal. That's where we live. And sometimes we can be going along and treading along and, and thinking, how in the world is this ever going to work out? How could God really be working? How could God really be doing what He says He's going to do? I feel so troubled. Hey, maybe you're here today and you feel that way right now with the things you're dealing with in your life. You need to hear Him saying this to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. You see, God's working a process. He's doing His thing. And it may not always look to us like He's doing it the way we would do it. But remember who God is. Remember who the Creator is and who the creation is. You see, we're to trust Him. We're to follow Him. We're to obey Him. He's the one calling the shots. As you sit here today, hear His voice saying this to you as He said it to His disciples, let not your heart be troubled. He's telling them this. He is telling them this because as He spoke, as He saw them reacting to the things He was telling them, He saw a need. He saw a need and He met it. So often we talk about, oh, He's going to meet our needs and He's going to do this and that. And, we, and, and when we're thinking about that, we're thinking about, well, that means that I'm going to get a good job and I'm going to have lots of money and I'm going to have the house I want and I'm going to have the car I want and I'm going to have this number of kids and I'm going to have this thing. And you can just lay it all out. So He's going to meet my needs. This need that He was meeting had nothing to do with the world around them. It's all about what He was doing within them. You see, this was a spiritual need. This is something they needed more than the next meal they ate or the next house they were going to sleep in. They needed to know beyond all things that He could be trusted. The same that they had always trusted in God the Father. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in Me. You see, this love is great because this love that He had for His disciples then, it's the same love that He has for His disciples today. This love that He had for those people that were following Him, that were, that were, that were trusting in Him, that were leaning on Him, it's the same love He has for His disciples today. As believers in Jesus Christ, hear that closely, as believers in Jesus Christ, no one else has the hope or the assurance of what I'm about to say. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have the knowledge that He loves us enough not just in the eternal life, but in this life that He sees us, He's teaching us, He's working in us, and that the things He said He's going to do, He will do. We can trust Him. You can walk on Him and lean on Him as if He's a pair of crutches. 
You can sit in Him as if He's a chair and rest, trusting in His power, in His work, in His provision. As believers in Jesus Christ, what you see Him doing with His disciples there, you can trust in in your life here. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. First, you know, we see Judas as a betrayer. We see Peter as a denier. And now we recognize that, the, that, that, that as men, as, as the men that surround Christ, even as those who are as close to Him as His followers, even as men and women cannot be trusted as we can trust Him, now we're learning our circumstances are also a weak judge of who our God is and what He's doing. You know, it's so easy. It is so easy when things are going our way to say that God is blessing me. It is so easy to understand that He's in control when the things I want to happen are happening. I'm going to give you something that's very personal. I hadn't even planned to share this. It just, it just struck me, and I feel like I need to say it. I had a plan when we started this church. I had it all figured out. I still got a plan. And as we've gone, and I've had to change that plan because obviously my plan wasn't working at times, it was easy for me to begin to question because the circumstances around me just didn't seem right. What's going on? Did I do something wrong? Did I miss something? Seth, let your heart not be troubled. Trust in me. You see, the circumstances that we face every day, we try to look at them and, and measure who God is or what He's doing based on them. And they are a weak judge of His power and His provision. Sure, at times we see Him working, but just because it's not going our way, just because, things, just because the car's breaking down and the, and, and, the, and the plumbing needs fixed, and just because... The, a tornado blows the house down, it doesn't mean God hasn't loved you and hasn't cared for you and has forgotten you. The circumstances of our life should push us to trust Him when we're being blessed in the way we like and when we're being blessed in a way that challenges us and grows us. The circumstances of our life often, often are a weak indicator who he is and what he's doing. Imagine, imagine talking to these disciples the day that they saw their Messiah hanging on a cross. How do you think they would have acted? Do you think it was going the way they had planned? Do you think things were happening in such a way that they thought, well, this is it, we got it figured out, we knew this was going to happen. I don't care what's going on. The call remains. Believe in Him. As He, as he sees this and, and works this in them, He tells them because He knows that they're counting too much on their circumstances and not enough on Him. See, every ounce of worry, every ounce of anxiety, every, every bit of doubt that we deal with, I'm just going to be very blunt here, every ounce of it, is in some way you doubting in Jesus Christ. 
every place where you're troubled, every place where you find turmoil in your heart, every circumstance that lets you down and you just, man, I just wish that could have been different. In some way, is you doubting in Christ. Let not your hearts be troubled. Even as you see me hanging on a cross, trust in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. I know we, we, we sit here and we listen to things like this. I am trusting. I trust in Him for my eternal life. Yeah, we, we, we do. As believers, we absolutely do. I have no doubt of that. But most of the time, so many times, we say we trust in Him for life and forget to trust Him for this life. Trust Him now. Trust Him in your circumstance, whether you're single or married, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're unemployed or employed, whether you're a mother or, a, or, or, or not, whether you're a father or not, whether, whether things are going your way as you feel like they should or whether they're not. Trust in Him. Let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> Even when things aren't going our way. Think about these... Think about these circumstances. Think about these things that you're dealing with. I don't know what many of them are. So often we keep them quiet. We don't talk to people about them. We don't want anybody to know that we're struggling because we're supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be trustworthy. We're supposed to be, be dependable people. What are you dealing with? What are you struggling through? What's bringing turmoil and, 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 and trouble into your heart? What, what's making you unsettled and, and not at peace? What are you wishing was different? In some way, in some way, you need to bring your trust of Jesus Christ into the middle of that situation because He knows where you are. He knows what you're dealing with. And He's either allowing it to grow you or He's allowing it to push you to Him. That's not happening because He's forgotten you. He's cursed you. Let not your heart be troubled. You see, the disciples, they were concerned because He was leaving. They didn't even have any idea of what was coming. But as He continued, He let them know he says to them in verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. Now there's some translations that say mansions. Don't get the wrong idea. You're not going to get the house you always wanted when you get to heaven. You're not going to finally get that 15-bedroom, five-bathroom, five-car garage house. It's not up there waiting for you. It's not a mansion. He's calling it, it's, it, what he's truly talking about is a dwelling place. Now, are you going to care? I doubt it. You're going to love it. It's going to be good. I'm not trying to take away. I just don't want you to get the wrong picture in your head. The translation, dwelling places. In fact, it could even be translated as rooms. You may have one room. It's going to be a beautiful room, though. It's going to be a great room. He says, he goes on to say, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, could I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where you 
or where I am, you may also be. You know what? Here it is. Jesus didn't leave them in this place where they couldn't understand or couldn't grasp. He didn't put them in this place of turmoil and say, you know, that's enough. Deal with it. Trust me. Just deal with it. Back off. He stayed there watching them and working with them. He says, I'm going somewhere to prepare a place for you. I'm going to do this work to make something ready for you that's beautiful and it's amazing and you're going to want it and you need it and, you, and, and you'll long for it when you understand it. And when I go, I'm going to come back. See, I'm not leaving you forever. You're, you're not this group of guys that i got to follow me and make me feel good about myself. You're my people. I love you so much. I don't want you to deal with this trouble. But I've got to go do this. You see, Jesus Christ wasn't working simply for one generation of people. He wasn't working only for 12 men. 11 by now. He wasn't working for just one generation. He was working for all generations. He came to do this work so that all who would believe would one day recognize that when He comes, they're going with Him. When He comes, we're getting our room. And it's going to be a beautiful room and we're going to love it and we're going to cherish it and we're going to be in His presence and we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to see God and we're going to know Him and we're going to learn about Him forever and ever and ever and we're going to be connected with people who are part of the body and we're going to have this life where we are, we are experiencing community like we can only dream of and we're going to serve one another and we're going to work with one another and life is going to be perfect because there's going to be no pain or tears or hurting or shame again. And that's what He's going to do. He's got to do it. It's a work that He's going to do so that all generations have this hope. He didn't just work for them. You see, He's working for us too. And He didn't just leave us with this trouble. Well, just deal with it. Forget about it. Just trust Me. You see, He left us this. He gave us this so that we would know. He, 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 he had people write this so that we could learn. That as we deal with the struggles and problems of life, that we could know that one day He's coming back and He's going to make it all right. That we can keep doing what we're doing. We can keep trusting. We can keep hanging on no matter how dark it gets. Because He's coming back. Because He's coming back. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. See, He's been working with these guys for three years. He's been teaching them. He's been showing them. He's been doing amazing works in front of them. (laughs) And they knew. Thomas, boy, Thomas, He says, Lord, this is in verse 5, I don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I want you to hear this. Thomas is doubting what Jesus is telling him. Doubt results in questions that Jesus has already given answers for. Lord, we don't, we don't know the way. Where are you going? How are we going to get there? How are we going to find you? Jesus said to him, I 
and the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. See, if you had known Me, you would have known My Father also. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. We're going to unpack that a lot more next week. But I want you to understand this today. That in His question, in His doubt, Jesus didn't just hammer Him. He just told Him the truth. Thomas, I am the way. The work that I am doing is paving you a road. It's making the way for you. Trust in Me. Continue to trust in Me. I am the truth. No one else has it, He says. No one else even comes close. I am the truth. I am the life. There's so much there. It goes so deep. And even today, we still question this. We still struggle with it. And our culture that we live in says, how in the world could anyone make this claim? We're going to deal with that next week. But, but, but recognize, recognize this, that doubt and not trusting, it causes questions. It causes us to deal with things that we can't understand and can't totally grasp hold of. It, it pushes us to places where we don't necessarily need to go. But know this. Know this. He wants you to know. And He answers letting you know that you can continue to trust Him. But Thomas wasn't the only guy. Thomas wasn't the only one who was struggling. I mean, imagine. It's not like we can sit here and judge them and say, well, yeah, those guys, they screwed it up. They didn't believe Him. We probably would have acted the same exact way. Philip said to him in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, If I've been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip, have you walked with me? Have you listened to me? Have you been there when I've been teaching? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe? You hear it? Do you not believe that the Father is in me? That I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. You see, Philip and Thomas both are dealing with questions. They're dealing with this turmoil. They're dealing with this doubt. And, 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 and they've got to ask it. They've got to know. Hey, just, just show us the way so that we know. Give us the map. I am the map. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Well, just show us the Father. Just, just let us see something so that we know. Philip, where have you been? Who have you been listening to? If you can't believe the things I've said, look at the works themselves. The blind hear, or the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Dead people come back to life. That speaks for itself. You see, they dealt with doubt. 
And you and I most likely deal with doubt. And that doubt needs to be handed a good dose of truth. And that truth is this, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And He came so that you might know life. So that you and I could be reconnected to the Father. So that we could be reconciled in our faith to the Father. So that you and I, not just having something to look forward to, could know that peace and contentment now. The circumstances of your life could be falling apart. To hear His words, let not your heart be troubled. As you believe in God, believe in Me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than those will He do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in My name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. You see, doubt leads to questions and it leads to fear and it leads to people standing back and not doing what they've been called to do. But belief, trust, faith, it leads to people taking bold and courageous steps to move forward following the Christ that's called them to trust Him. It leads to people doing things that are beyond themselves to do. We're not going to be the apostles. We're not going to walk around and just, and just people carrying up people and lay them in our shadows so that we can walk over them and they'll be healed. That's not, that's not who Jesus is using us to be. But He calls us to this place where as we believe Him, He says, you're going to do things that, lead with, that, that, that show power, that are bold and courageous. You see, that's the belief we're called to. That's what belief and faith looks like. And so I just want to ask you a question as we finish up today. I want to close with a question. And I want you to pray. Are you more apt to find questions in your life or to recognize His power in your faith? Every anxiety and worry and trouble and turmoil that happens within us is a result at some level of doubting in Him. It leads to fear. It leads to questions looking for answers that we've already been given. But faith leads to great power and courage and boldness. Not because you worked it in yourself, but because you trust in the One who has it all. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to hear him saying this to you.